welcome to the Thrive Subscribe Podcast, where we inspire you, challenge you, and give you the tools you need to transform your pharmacy practice. We'll help you to thrive with new and old revenue streams so you too can succeed with your patients and your business. Now let me turn you over to your host today, Dr. Randy McDonough. Good morning and welcome to our Thrive Subscribe uh, podcast that we have. And um, this morning, I'm actually um, speaking out of uh, Minneapolis, um, where I'm uh, presenting at the Minnesota Farm Association annual meeting. So um, I'm from the hotel room and I get a chance to speak with Sandy Keeker um, remotely. And Sandy is from Kansas and Sandy and her husband own two pharmacies. Uh, one is Heston Pharmacy, which is in Heston, Kansas. And the other one is Harvey Drug, which is in Newton, Kansas. And uh, I'm going to start off, uh, Sandy, by um, asking a question uh, about your sites. But in particular, you know, I was presented most recently this this week to a couple of student groups, and they wanted to talk about the future of pharmacy and, and jobs and what's going to be the opportunity. And the thing they kept telling me was that how much negative press there is out there, and we know what we're reading out there, and plus the social media forums, which may uh, not be always positive about the future of pharmacy, and there's sidebar conversations happening with people about the doom and gloom of community-based pharmacy. Yet when I look at some of the things that you have developed within your own pharmacies, you seem to be thriving in this environment. So what is it that you're doing differently that's keeping your practice viable and financially sustainable? Yeah, hi, hi, Randy. Thanks for visiting with me this morning. Um, you know, there is a lot of negative press out there. And for myself personally, um, honestly, some of those social media sites that I was a part of, I just unsubscribe to them because it's really easy for um, negative to build upon negative. And when we really step back and look at our practice, we're making huge impacts, a huge impact on patients in our community. Um, in our stores, we have a rule of thumb for ourselves. For any new service that we provide or even any old service that we provide, we step back and we look at it. And our overall goal is to care for as many patients as we can in the meaningful ways that we think they should be cared for. And so when we're looking at something new to add to our practice, we see if it fits that guideline. And if it doesn't, then we table it and maybe it'll be something that we come back to. But there are so many opportunities in community pharmacy there that we can care for patients. There's so many gaps in care that exist with our current health system that every single one of those really is an opportunity for us if we look at it in the right way. And so we just don't focus on the negative. There's a lot of things that we can't control. And um, we're aware of those things. We don't bury our head in the sand. But I would say if you if you put them on a scale, the scale is way, way, going to be way tipped heavier that um, there's a lot more that you can do to help people than what's holding you back right now. I sure appreciate that. And, you know, um, listening to other pharmacists, so the concern they have is, really the return on investment um, as far as some of these services are concerned. And, you know, we are fighting for provider status. And so I think people are concerned about the financial aspect. So tell me, are you bringing in new revenue with these services that you're providing? We are. Um, we, we try to think outside the box. So, for example, um, one of our, our biggest services that we provide that's really a niche in our communities 
uh, we provide an adherence packaging program. And we decided early on that it wasn't going to just be putting the pills in packages and handing them to the patient, that if we were going to do it, um, we wanted to do it right. And so we have an onboarding process that we got together with um, local providers in our area and created an enrollment onboarding process um, for our patients that's formal, that actually our technicians run and take them through. And so we ask them questions um, like, who's an emergency contact? Do we have permission to uh, coordinate with your independent living staff? Um, things like that. And then we, when we're filling their packs, we document any missed doses. So when we take out their, their new packs, we get their old packs back and we watch for patterns and compliance. Um, we also, if their practitioner makes any med changes, we fix their packs. And so everything's always current and we document those changes and we do follow up with the patient to see how they're getting along. Um, and so we charge a fee for our adherence packaging program because it really isn't just about the dispensing process. It's about the clinical services that go along with that. And we've had one or two patients that said, I need to think about it because I'm not sure of the fee. But mostly we've had people say, you really ought to charge more for this because this is an amazing service that you do. So I think that as a profession, sometimes we underestimate the value and the impact that we can have with our patients. And so if you're looking at a new clinical service and you're thinking that's solely a drain, then you're probably, you need to look at it from a different angle. And it could be that the service in the way you're thinking of providing it isn't valuable to the patient. But if it's valuable to the patient, then typically they will pay you for it. And because it's worth, it's worth it to them for you to spend the time offering the extra care. So I'm assuming because of this robust service that you have with the compliance packaging, we have something similar as well, um, that as you look at the competitors that are coming to the marketplace and, you know, pill pack is one of the things I think about with all the advertising they're doing on TV and there's going to be um, other companies that are going to be like um, the, the pill pack, the Amazon pill pack. Um, how do you, is that how you compete is by saying it's more than just providing you with the packaging? Yeah. And delivering to your house, but you also got these services surrounding it. Is that how you think you will compete against? Exactly. Companies? Okay. So That's exactly more. what it is. We're we're, yeah. we're somewhere in between. You know, we're we're not we're not in between. But so the packs are part of the product, but the service you can't provide that same level of care and service. So we're seeing a lot of families that maybe the um, the kids live on the other side of the country, and it's peace of mind that they know that that there's a pharmacist and a pharmacy team checking in on their parents monthly because we're delivering the packs to them and keeping track of missed doses. And there's a formal process set up to alert them if they need a higher level of care or if at least it just needs to be looked at. So, um, yeah, so I really don't feel threatened by pill pack because it's not the same service at all. I appreciate that. Yeah. Another question I have for you is because of the services that you're providing, obviously you've had to do some changes within your practice to free up the pharmacist. Can you describe some of those changes that help to free up the pharmacist to provide clinical services? Yeah, about about a year and a half ago, um, we realized that we were getting to the point where we were maxing out the time that our pharmacist had and 
we look to our technicians to do more and more. And actually, I would say that's been evolving over the last five years or so, the part of looking to our technicians. But about a year and a half ago, we said, we need to be a little bit more deliberate about utilizing our technicians in the workflow. And so we sat down and created um, three levels, three job descriptions for different levels of pharmacy technicians. Um, we have our base pharmacy technicians. Most of them are newer to being a pharmacy technician, and they're doing the basic data entry filling process. Um, then we have our mid-level techs, and they understand um, some of our higher-level programs. They can do the filling of the adherence packs. Um, they can run, we take care of a behavioral health facility, managing their samples and um, uh, making sure the patients are compliant on getting their refills on those medications. Um, they're, we, we offer long-term care services. So they're running the filling process of those and making sure that we're staying on top of everything. And then we created an advanced tech and our advanced techs are overseeing those processes and looking at ways to better what we're doing. They're working with the patients and really talk, practicing at the very top of a pharmacy technician's license. Our advanced techs um, understand when they need to get the pharmacist involved. Um, they're doing the hands-on patient care. Uh, so they're the ones that are sitting down with the patient, um, onboarding them into our adherence packaging program, um, we've also started utilizing our technicians to run our MTM program. So if we have a patient that's coming in for a CMR, we have technicians that are, they're preparing the, the paperwork side of it um, before the patient comes in and handing it to the pharmacist to look at for the clinical judgment. When the patient walks in the door, um, we teach our staff that it's the same as we use the model of if they came into the doctor's office that they would be greeted by the receptionist. And so our clerks are our receptionists. And then they're escorted back into our uh, consultation room by one of our pharmacy technicians who then sit down and we have a, a formal um, workup that we do with the patient where they review the, the med list that we printed out to see if there's anything else that needs to be added. Um, they talk to them about their immunization, see if there's anything else they've gotten that maybe we weren't aware of. Um, and then they ask them, do you have any specific questions for the pharmacist today? And then they come and get the pharmacist and we go in. And so when the pharmacist comes in the room, we're really doing clinical judgment pharmacist work. And so, again, everyone in our pharmacy is practicing at the top of his or her license. So the time spent with the patient is, is as meaningful as possible. Um, the pharmacist will then, back to the CMR process, the pharmacist will then meet with the patient. They'll talk about whatever goals that they're going to work on until they meet the next time and set a plan in motion. So, for example, if a patient is really struggling with managing their medications, it could be that they are going to be enrolled in our adherence packaging program, or maybe they need an immunization. And so when the pharmacist is done meeting with the patient, we'll go back and get our technician, and they will really finish with any follow-up that needs to be done. If the patient needs to be onboarded into one of our other programs, um, needs to start filling out paperwork to get their immunization. So everything in our workflow is being ran by our pharmacy technicians. Um, so that didn't just happen overnight, but it's amazing. It's a great, wonderful career path for them. And as a pharmacist, it's 
wonderful for me because I'm watching myself work with patients in a much more meaningful way. I'm not so bogged down on just the filling process and trying to keep track of all of that. That's that's impressive. It sounds like you've done a great job of creating a career path for your um, technicians, but optimizing them at the same time so that, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and and they're working at the top of their training, just like you're working at the top of your training to take care of patients. So I appreciate that. You know, as I think about some of the things that we can do to to free up the pharmacist, we've got automation and I'm going to ask you some questions about that. But I want you to talk a little bit about MedSync because, you know, before we started this interview, we were talking about um, your role. I know that you're doing some leadership stuff within Kansas with Flip the Pharmacy and uh, uh, trying to transform pharmacy practice, you know, across the nation and and, uh, Kansas being one of the networks that's involved in this. And you were talking about the first change package, which really emphasizes MedSync. Tell me about your MedSync program and how you think Flip the Pharmacy is going to help you with that. Well, it's funny. Um, I thought that we were doing this amazing job with our MedSync program and that we were really on the ball. And so when we started out to becoming involved with Flip the Pharmacy and I read that the first domain was, you know, just enrolling patients in MedSync, I thought, well, that's going to be a snap. Um, but it, after we went through the training and I started working with our lead technician, uh, she really makes most of our med sync calls and works with our patients in that program. Um, we started talking about, well, a lot of our patients are already in med sync. So we didn't know how many patients we'd really identify um, with hypertension. That was the first goal to identify patients just to get them enrolled at, um, with hypertension. And so we decided that since it's October and it's flu season, um, that w- we would we would make a goal of asking our patients about their immunization status when we were making the MedSync calls. And we thought, well, then we can start practicing logging that we're working with the patients in the care plan. Because up until now in our pharmacy, we have a documentation process, but it hasn't actually been utilizing our care plan. Um, We had just been making notes. We had a place where where we can put sync notes. And so um, she started making her calls and when she's on the call, she asks the patient, um, you know, it's, it's time to get your flu shot when you come in to pick up your medications. Let's do that. Um, and, and we're going to take a look at the, to see if there's any, any other immunizations that you need. We have access to the immunization registry here in Kansas, so we can do that proactively for our patients. And asking the patient if they know if there's anything else they need. And then document that, documenting that in the care plan. And the first few calls that she made, it was a little bit awkward. But by the end of the day yesterday, it's just already ingrained. It's just part of her process. Um, and so it's just amazing to me how being deliberate about what you're doing and how you can really enhance the level of care that you provide to the patient. Well, now that we're used to already within, what, five days used to documenting in our care plan, um, we have actually identified a couple of patients that were on medications for hypertension that we had missed that weren't enrolled in our SYNC program. So just being deliberate and looking at how you can care for patients, it's, it just exponentially keeps growing your practice and the clinical services that you provide. And those conversations that you're having with your patients, it just cements the value that you have in your community. 
Yeah, I think the message is that uh, you never, we're never at that perfect place with our practice. That no matter where we're at, we always can improve, right? <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how about automation? Do you use any automation within your pharmacy to improve efficiencies and, and free up the pharmacist? You know, we don't. Um, we we've talked about that. We are in our Heston Pharmacy is in a small rural community, and a large portion of the patients that we take care of live in a um, long-term care. Well, it's it's a it's a campus. It's a retirement community, so there's different levels of care. And so for those patients, um, we actually have a specific uh, cassette that that the nursing home wants us to use for packaging their meds. And then another large percentage of our patients are in our adherence packaging program. So we, our volume being in a smaller community, um, we debated for ourselves about, um, in, we've worked in other pharmacies that have automation and there's kind of a, a point where you really can benefit from using a robot. Um, but so much of what we do is, is uh, hands-on with the patient or hands-on in a, in a, you know, in a unit dose packaging situation that at this point, we have decided not to use a robot or automation. And so I'm not saying, I, I, I'm cautious in saying this because I think that it's very appropriate for some pharmacies, um, but just the types of services that we provide for us, it made more sense to invest our dollars into more people because a lot of the services that we provide are sitting down in a clinical setting and working one-on-one -on -one with patients. Well, I appreciate that answer. I mean, it's about really being critical and, you know, being the owner of the pharmacy, you've got to make financial decisions and you need to know when's, you know, when's the right time and you do it incrementally, right? You identify what needs you have right now and then you, you do what you need to do right. to create the, the uh, capacity to provide the service. So I totally agree with you. We, you know, I've been in practice with my partner, Mike Denninger, um, for over 13 years now. And people always say, man, look, look at all the things that you got. Cause we've got, you know, four robots, you know, we got the Parada pass, Parada mm -hmm. Pearl, got the Parada max, and we also have an icon. But I said, you know, for the first probably nine years that we've been partners, we didn't have the automation, you know, we, we did invest exactly what you did, but as things continued to progress, um, we realized, you know, we could improve efficiencies even more. And so we made the decision to, um, you know, invest in automation, but try to maximize it too. So, you know, when we got the Prada Pass, which was for a nursing home, we won that kind of packaging. We decided that was great packaging as well for our ambulatory patients. And so mm -hmm. we started promoting that, which has been a, a good growth for us as well too. So it's how do you maximize that automation? But, you know, there's a right time and a right place. And so I appreciate that answer because you do have to be exactly. critical and know when to do it. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I would love to. Um, yeah, you have to just, in every single, I mean, that's the beauty of community pharmacy. Every single one of our stores is different and we each have our own niche and it's just, it's, it's really that flexibility and being able to just fill in the gaps of where there's a need and then utilizing the right tools. And so, but yeah. And in the future, if we continue to grow, um, I definitely, that's definitely on the table of something that we're looking at. And I have worked with robots and automation and it's nice because it's, 
things are happening in the background and it frees people up too. So it just kind of depends on where you're at. Right. I totally agree. So what do you think your vision is for your practice in the next five to 10 years and, and maybe overall community pharmacy practice? What do you think the vision is that you have? I think that the role of the pharmacist is changing, um, that we're becoming, we're, we're finally taking all of the um, clinical knowledge that we have and starting to put it into practice. Um, in a lot of ways, we're getting back to the, the past of what pharmacy used to be. I remember um, being a, a kid and the pharmacist in my hometown uh, they, I was in a small rural farming community and a lot of the patients that came into the pharmacy didn't have insurance. And so instead of going to the doctor, a lot of times their first stop was the pharmacy and they would ask the pharmacist. In fact, they called the pharmacist doc. And um, I remember the pharmacist really spending time with them and helping them determine, you know, you really need to go be seen. Or I can also remember even in high school, the pharmacist um, that I worked with, the, the, the practitioners in our community would call and say, hey, um, I diagnosed this patient with this. What do we use? You know, and, and the pharmacist could say, well, let's try this. And so they were working together. And I see. And so then after that, for, for 10 or 15 or maybe 20 years, there was a time frame in there that we were all judging how good of a pharmacist we were based on how many prescriptions per hour we could fill and how quickly we could run people through our pharmacies. And I'm so happy to see that our practices are circling back around to getting back to the hands-on patient care, because I really think that's where our value is. And so I think we're going to see the role of the pharmacist coming back around and getting back in tune with our patients. And because Randy, if we just, if all we do is see how many prescriptions we can fill in an hour, we aren't really helping our patients. And honestly, there's no need for us. I mean, you can put pills in a vending machine, but I think that, that we, we know that there's a lot more we can do for our patients. And so to answer your question, I see the role of the pharmacist getting back more in tune to the patients and providing patient care in a good old fashioned way. And I see the role of our technicians evolving in that they're helping run the workflow of the pharmacies. And I see them getting more involved with patient care, too. And everyone in our pharmacy practicing at the top of their license. And I, I see that as, as more and more Americans age and we see more and more challenges in our healthcare system, that community pharmacy is a golden opportunity to meet the needs of all these patients. So. I'm really excited. I, I can tell, Sandy. <laughs> and that's why I always <laughs> enjoy talking to you because of this, the energy that you have and the excitement that you have. You can hear it in your voice and your inflections. And, you know, it makes me excited, you know, still being in community pharmacy. And I totally agree with you. And I've had a lot of opportunities throughout my career to practice in a lot of different settings. And, even you know, in an academic model, I worked also in a family practice. Um, um, we still do long-term care consulting um, been in community, both in a chain setting and independent setting, a hospital. So I've been across the board of all the mm -hmm. different settings. But what, what I loved about community pharmacy and why I always kept coming back to community pharmacy was the access to the patients and the things that you can really impact with that patient. Yeah. You never know who's going to walk through the door and what need they have. 
And that's exciting. Exactly. That's exciting. And that's it one is. thing. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think community pharmacy to me will be a hub. It will be a hub where healthcare is happening mm-hmm. and you can connect all the patients with all the resources within the area because you're so embedded within the community. And that's exactly. exciting. I just don't think people have fully realized the impact that community-based pharmacy uh, can have out there. So, Sandy, yeah, that's any... why I'm... go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to say you. that's why I'm really excited about Flip the Pharmacy too, um, because we know what we can do in our stores. And when you talk to community pharmacists around the country, um, I wish they would make the headlines be some of the awesome, amazing things that pharmacists are doing every day in their stores, because really it's not doom and gloom. It's pretty amazing stuff that's going on out there. And, um, but flip the pharmacy. I'm excited about that because I think what we've been missing is we all know what we're doing inside of our stores, but it's really hard to show that because so much of what we do is on the fly and we're just, we're just doing it. If there's a need and we can fill it, we take care of it with the patient. And so even just the example I gave of checking the immunization status for our patients, if you don't document it, no one knows you did it and they don't realize the value that you're providing. And so the flip the pharmacy where our technicians are being, we're being more purposeful about our technicians running our workflow. We're learning how to document in the care plan, all these, these really important little things that we're doing every single day then I think we're going to be able to add up the pieces and show people this is why we're the missing piece of the puzzle. This is why we can fill that gap that you have. And so, yeah. Yeah, so well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for um, those who are listening who don't know what Flip the Pharmacy is, um, Flip the Pharmacy is a is a multi-grant, multi-year um, and a grant that has been provided by the Community Pharmacy Foundation to uh, the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network of uh, USA or CPSN USA. And 27 networks across the nation um, have received monies to help transform practices within their network. And Sandy, as I said, is is a, a very much in the leadership role within her network to help not only create the transformation in her practices, but also transform, help other people transform practices within her network. And the goal is that uh, with this first cohort, it has 27 networks, we can impact 500 pharmacies. But our ultimate goal is by creating these change packages, which really is um, little uh, bite-sized bits of changes that people can do you know, each month for the next 24 months. They can really convert and transform their practice to really be focused on that longitudinal patient care where you're documenting. And Sandy, you talked about the documentation. And we'd like to see that at the end of this five years of this um, process that one million, you know, e-care plans have been submitted that will really tell the story about the types of interventions that community pharmacists are making, the value of those interventions, and take that kind of information and continue to demonstrate to payers and, and to other stakeholders the value of community pharmacy. And so, Sandy, I appreciate all your efforts and what you're doing, not only in your practice, but what you're doing within your state and what you're doing nationally to help pharmacy progress. So do you have any, any other words you'd like to add, Sandy? No, I just want to thank you too, Randy. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was, I, I was at a meeting and you probably won't remember this, but there was a few years ago that I was at a meeting and there were, there were a lot of naysayers that had, had been standing up and saying, Oh, these things can't happen. And, 
we're not getting enough reimbursement. And there's just, I was feeling kind of discouraged. And I was a little bit confused about, well, how are we going to transform our practices and make it so that um, anybody knows that what we're doing has an impact? And and everything was, I, I understood the overall vision, but everything was a little muddled. So I ran into you in the hallway and I said, Randy, I just, I don't understand how we're going to do all this. I, I just think maybe I just need to focus more on my patients because that's my comfort zone. And I'm just going to, I think I'm going to step out of some of these leadership roles. I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I know what I'm doing. And I remember you just looked at me square in the eye and said, I feel that way too sometimes. But then I realized that I have the vision and I understand what needs to happen. And so that means I have a responsibility. And so I think that was a really pivotal point for me because I thought, well, I'm just this small town pharmacist from Kansas. How can I possibly, I, ha- I don't, I haven't done anything outstanding. I just take care of patients every single day. But you looked at me and you said, we have to lead the way on this because if we don't do it, who else will? And I was like, you know what? You're right. Cause all these patients need us to take care of them. So I just hope if there's a pharmacist sitting there listening, thinking, there's nothing special about what I do. I'm just filling prescriptions in my pharmacy. And you know what? That's pretty darn special. And every single patient that walks in the door, you're doing something to impact their family and their life. And so you're doing it. So get on board and really share what you're doing because you can help other pharmacists too. And you don't have to be anything fancy to be able to do that. And you don't have to have a whole lot of money or fancy tools. It'll just happen. And if you're doing the right thing, at, at the end of the day, I don't know how, but it always works out. So thank you, Randy, for encouraging me when I was at a point of thinking, I don't know if I could do this. So, <laughs> Well, it takes a village, right? So Sandy, thank you very much. And I think you know, that those last few words really is a good way to sum up this um, podcast today. And, and uh, it's the excitement, the energy, the vision that you bring to this. And so thank you very much. And uh, um, that's all I have, Sandy. So you have a good day. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.